where Dave and I plan this year's company holidays. Let's go through the list. Easter, too religious. St. Patrick's Day? Too white. Mother's Day? Way too cisgendered. All of your usual holidays have been canceled this year. But we still have Karl Marx's birthday! Ha <laughs> Need a real reason to party? Find a new job at redballoon.work. Canada mourns the loss of Arrive Can. With celebratory trips into the United States and joyous exclamations of freedom, the young Arrive Can was a mere 22 months old before its flame was extinguished. I think I speak for many Canadians when I say, good riddance, you totalitarian tool of the World Economic Forum. May your death be certain and permanent, never to rise again, with your defeat sung about by countless generations not yet born. I think there should be a national holiday about this. We interviewed James Kitchen, our in-house counsel, regarding a number of Western University students who have had their religious exemptions to the experimental gene therapy injection denied in September of 2022, mind you. As I've said before, Western should dismantle its science department, its philosophy department, and they should fire their entire administration, top to bottom. We also did an interview with Dr. David Haskell, a professor who has helped to shine a light on a Waterloo teacher who, during a Waterloo district meeting, was removed from the trustee meeting for showing, with examples, mind you, the radical sexual agenda and sexualization of children in schools and libraries. It seems to me like a public event for this madness is in order. Friends, today is a black, gold, dark kind of day. Hmm, and it is dark. Dark like the hearts of evil people creating and enforcing unjust laws and their brainwashed minions joining in the destruction of our rights and freedoms. Just that dark. I feel fueled to fight back. And you should too. It's October 4th. I'm Andrew DiBartolo. That's Matt Halleck. And this is the Liberty Dispatch. Welcome to the Liberty Dispatch, broadcasting across enemy lines into the Canadian culture war. Wherever you watch or listen to us from, whether it's on your favorite podcast catcher or you're catching us on YouTube or at our Rumble channel, Liberty Coalition Canada, be sure to interact with our con content. Be sure to like, comment, rate, review, whatever you can to get our content out to more people. It all helps. Also, we are a part of the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. That's flfnetwork.com. And be sure to go over there, check out all the various podcasts on that network. There's some really great ones like the Ezra Institute uh, podcast and also Leadership Now with our, our buddy Aaron Rock as well. Make sure to download the FLF Network app on your device for our shows and lots of other great content indeed also go over to our website libertycoalitioncanada.com sign up for our email list and please if you would it would be a great help help support our news and analysis our legal advocacy 
and are also our various activism initiatives. It is all such a help to continue to build this institution. And finally, comments, questions, concerns, please direct them to us at info at libertycoalitioncanada.com. That's info at libertycoalitioncanada.com. Andrew, I'm also drinking black gold today. I just want to let you know that. But it's it's a pleasure to be back on the program with you, buddy. I really appreciate Mike uh, stepping in for me uh, late last week as well. Um, but anyways, uh, it's always good to, to be back on the program with you. Yeah, we're drinking black gold. We're wearing black. As I said, a national day of mourning <laughs> is due for Canada. But before we get into the sad, and by, by sad I mean wonderfully joyous news, <laughs> did you know that you can purchase freshly roasted coffee that will also support the Liberty Coalition Canada at the same time? Maybe you didn't know that. You should know that. Resistance Coffee Company is a Canadian coffee roastery that gives a portion of every sale to organizations fighting for the constitutional freedoms of Canadians. They also support the JCCF and fight the fines, and they've been friends of the Liberty Coalition Canada for a year and a half now. If you go to resistancecoffee.com LCC today, you will not only purchase fuel for freedom— like the delicious aforementioned black gold. Let me get another shot of this. Or the swag. Oh, man. I feel more fueled for freedom Absolutely. than I ever have before. Mm. You will also help us at the Liberty Coalition Canada to lead the charge in fighting for the freedoms and rights of Canadians. Resistance Coffee is a small batch roastery, which ensures you are never drinking old and stale coffee like you find at the grocery store. It's, it's time to abandon buying coffee from people who hate you and companies that rainbow up their, their messaging to the Wahoo simply to try to be allies. And it's time to support people that share your worldview, that fight for your freedom. So you can get freshly roasted, specialty-grade coffee delivered to your door as often as you want it. And you can also sign up for a subscription automatic renewal. And you can enjoy knowing that your money isn't funding the leftist causes you despise, and they equally despise you. So drink great coffee and support freedom by visiting resistancecoffee.com slash LCC today. Absolutely. Well, as we like to do early on in the week, we want to take a look at the week in review. Here at the Liberty Dispatch, we approach all of our stories and subjects with a high degree of seriousness, sobriety, and we approach them with the rather somber attitude given the nature of the events. And we also like to recognize the memory of those who have fallen and who we've lost just in this past week.
really heartrending. <laughs> <laughs> a really heart yeah! rending <laughs> tribute. Wait, that was was that that wasn't sorry. I too soon. Yeah. Too soon. I I'm surprised that you went so somber when you were putting those clips together, but uh, we 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 appreciate mm-hmm. the smooth stylings of Sarah McLaughlin just as much as anyone else. But um, mm-hmm. but as we've talked about on the program, Andrew, there is a possibility that something like it. Um, can be re- resurrected in the future. And I know that um, our federal government has talked about implementing something of the like uh, potentially down the road. So as we've said on other programs, it's up to us to ensure that this stuff does not happen. And they at least gave Just don't us... don't say resurrection, though. <laughs> you can't say resurrection because, because we believe in resurrection, that that is a God thing. This is reincarnation. Yeah. This is something that's evil, that lived a terrible life, that harmed people... <laughs> that has died and it will be brought back and in its next life it will be even more harmful and even more evil so we we can't say it's resurrected because it's uh it's destined for further destruction yeah a fair point a fair point um but it is something that we do have to keep our eyes on because it is something that could possibly be be coming down the roads and if if in you know some less than two years or about two years it can do this much damage and this much harm to people um it's something that we need to continue to be on guard and vigilant against um thankfully they at least provided with us with a lot of fodder for its absolute irrelevance and ineffectiveness um but what do you mean matt how could i mean do, do we have do we have things that we want to talk about today that highlight that arrive can was maybe not as effective as they thought it was and maybe was just a piece of bureaucratic garbage that harmed Canada and Canadians really it wasn't say it ain't so Matt it, it, it is the case and we actually have three perfect examples of just that the first one is the fact that border guards searched over 30,000 electronic devices of Canadians and those entering into the country. Um, And this is all done before a court case struck down the borders agency's ability to conduct these random unlawful searches and seizures. According to Blacklock's reporter, the data was provided in an inquiry of ministry filed by conservative MP Raquel Denko, from from here in Winnipeg, a total of 33,373 devices were randomly searched by CBSA officers between, now listen to this, November 1st, 2017 to December 31st, 2021. So it turns out that this unlawful search and seizure was going on well before Arrive Can even started. This has been a practice that has been in place throughout most of Trudeau's reign of terror in in uh, in the federal government. And this is obviously a policy that the CBSA has put in place for, for quite a bit of time. Now, this is obviously uh, unlawful and tyrannical, yet this is something that they have um, continued to do over and over again. Uh, the article con- continues. After legal challenges were filed against... 
CBSA for treating electronic devices like ordinary goods in 2020, the Alberta Court of Appeal ruled that the practice breached Canadians' constitutional rights. It found devices now contain vast amounts of data touching on financial and medical details, the personal likes of propensities of users and their geographic movements over time explained the court so it's not just like any other ordinary goods this has now sparked a bill before the senate called an an act to amend the customs act which is currently before the house of commons and interestingly enough it goes on to uh say that th- this act that CBSA agents will need reasonable and general concern to actually search somebody's phones. The True North article highlights the fact that this CBSA debacle is just the latest in controversies concerning the border border agency because in february the liberal government was forced to temporarily suspend a public health agency of canada surveillance program after it was revealed that the agency had spied on 33 million devices without the consent of canadians so it looks like how many how many canadians are there how many people are in canada Mm just about that yes, much that's practically all of yeah. the canadian citizens um, yeah so 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 maybe a couple citizens escaped it for drug dealers and doctors <laughs> who had two phones yeah but for the most part it's all canadian. unless if you had a burner flip phone or something like a motorola razor i think you were getting getting tracked so, so here's so here's here here's the th- this is the pattern or th- this is the flow of this we're going to surveil your phone and we're going to take your information and track you by force without your consent. And then what Arrive Can highlights is that Canadians were willing to give it up freely. So we'll take it by force and we can get 30,000 electronic devices. Or we can pressure you with fines and you make the free choice of just relinquishing this information on your own. This is the insidious and evil nature of something like Arrive Can, where now they've realized they don't have to take it by force. All they have to do is say, we'll make life a little more difficult for you, and we may throw some fines over your head, and then you will willingly give up information, personal information attached to your location. This is the the heritage of Arrive Can. This is its legacy. The willingness for Canadians to simply hand over their freedoms and have apps track their location and keep tabs on them to make sure they're being good citizens. This is a part of the ArriveCan legacy. And to further highlight the uselessness of ArriveCan, we have a second story pertaining to it, and that's that 1.6 million people entered Canada without using the ArriveCan app. So the supposedly mandatory app um, was dodged by many people entering Canada. And according to a National Post uh, story, 126,674 people failed to use the app uh, before they arrived in Canada in January 2022. The number dropped significantly to 50,000 in February, 
But in the last few months, given all that was coming out concerning ArriveCan and some of the problems and concerns with the app, that number had skyrocketed to 400,001. 176 people in June and or in July and 386,445 people in August. So people were more and more sidestepping the app based on the concerns. It wasn't just ignorance of the program, but it was a fact that they did not want to partake in this surveillance and tracking program that the government had mandatorily put in place. But interestingly enough, and this highlights just how you know horribly useless the, the program was despite giving the Canadian government uh, a road into track millions of Canadian citizens, only 190 people total were fined for non-compliance, according to the testimony of the vice president of public health of the public health agency of Canada, Jennifer Lutfala. And that came out at the transport committee meeting in August. So, so this is the second bit of the arrive can legacy. So arrive cans legacy is one. It showed the Canadians are willing to give up their freedoms and be tracked. It also showed that if Canadians stood against these lawless mandates on mass, they can't do anything about it. 1.6 million people. There is no way that all those people are going to see the inside of a courtroom. It's impossible. They don't have the manpower, which is why the vast, vast, vast majority of these tickets are getting thrown out before they see a courtroom. And when they get into a courtroom, they're also being thrown out by people that have any understanding of both Section 6 of the Charter or the Quarantine Act and what is and is not allowed by public health. So this is the second piece of the arrive can legacy that if canadians were more bold in standing up together and pushing back against this with the numbers our government would have backed down and realized they can't do it so arrive can exposes that canadians are willing to give up their freedoms and be surveilled and arrive can also exposes that our elected officials were successful in isolating people and making them think that they were a bunch of individual atoms, that there wasn't the large-scale support, and they were successful at demoralizing Canadians who, looking at that number, that is a lot of people who stand up in opposition and resistance. And so congratulations, Arrive Can. The second bit of your legacy exposes that Canadians are willing to give up their freedoms and they're unwilling to stand up together even though... We're not just a small fringe minority with unacceptable views. And while Canadians' charter rights are being stripped from them, are being usurped by tyrannical diktats of our federal government, we also have another story that highlights the uselessness of our border agencies and our federal government and actually securing the Canadian border. Because as lawful Canadian citizens are stopped from traveling because of crazy uh, mandates and of, you know, spy apps like ArriveCan, at the very same time, a record number of illegal immigrants are coming into the country. So... From True North, again, record number of illegal crossings into Canada by asylum claimants in 2022. So 
the very time we're told that you can't leave the country um, if you don't have a vaccine because it's too dangerous. You can't come back into the country if you don't have a vaccine. You have to get an app on your phone so the government can track where you're going to be in, in order to make sure that you're quarantining in, in these proper ways so we don't have the spread of COVID. People are coming over into Canada illegally, not being tested or traced for COVID or anything to do with it. And that's the, that's the sheer insanity of the whole situation. So from the article, the number of asylum claimants reached a six-year high in 2022. From January to August, RCMP figures showed that 23,358 migrants were encountered at illegal border crossings, 13% higher then in 2017, after Prime Minister Justin Trudeau tweeted that refugees were welcome in Canada and when the federal government first started reporting the data. As of November 2021, Trudeau reopened the Roxham Road to asylum claimants, including those who were unvaccinated despite there being a border vaccine mandate in place at that time. And this influx so drastically overwhelmed Quebec that it actually forced the province into calling for help from Ottawa. And as a result of the request, the Liberals shipped nearly 2,000 migrants to Ontario after that. And the sad reality is taxpayers are footing the bills to the house uh, to house these incoming asylum claimants while the government looks for more permanent solutions. So Canadians are not only having their rights and their freedom stripped for them, but they're also being coercively taxed to fund those people who somehow don't have to fall under those same tyrannical diktats so that they can come here and stay here illegally. So this is currently the state of affairs in the country as it pertains to the border. And just another showing that Arrive Can is not what they said it was. It is a Trojan horse to something far more sinister than what our government was telling us as Canadian citizens. This is what Arrive Can has revealed. This is its legacy. Number one. Canadians are willing to give up their rights and freedoms and be surveilled. Number two, Canadians bought the lie that they were isolated atoms and they were too afraid to gather together and stand up, even though if they did, they would have had the numbers to push back and actually mount a meaningful resistance. And number three, our globalist elitist elected overlords don't actually care about the health and well-being of lawful, hardworking Canadians. This is the legacy of Arrive Can. Can we, can we show again? I, I know we showed this last week, and I know it's old news, but can we show the the clip that was breaking news of Glinda the Good Witch in Oz, Ontario? Can we can we show that? I think that that, that, that this is this is fitting in light of the untimely death of Arrive Can for us to highlight again when it was breaking news what that looks like let the joyous news be spread the wicked old witch at last is dead
Well, Mr. Matt, when I think about Arrive Can and its wonderful demise, but also its terrible totalitarian <laughs> legacy, I think about money. I think about finances. I think about freedom. I think about security. I think about who we invest with and who we trust with our money. And so that makes me think, of course, about our good friends over at Rocklink Investment Partners. And friends, let's face it, the economic prospects in our country appear rather bleak. With inflation at 40-year highs and a government that does not understand fiscal responsibility, bracket, one of the most understated things that could be said ever, close bracket, who can you trust to protect your financial future? Give my friends and our friends over at Rocklink Investment Partners a call. These guys don't follow the crowd, they think independently, and they invest prudently to protect your wealth from those that seek to destroy it. Call them at 905-631-5462 or send them an email, info at rocklink.com. That's info at rocklink.com. Link is spelled L-I-N-C. Well, Andrew, the continuing story that's coming out of London, Ontario regarding Western University and their continued vax and mass mandates and their continued covid tyranny we know that recently it's come out that they've suspended that mandate for the fall semester but that they plan in putting that in place in the winter semester so it's just a temporary reprieve and in this time of reprieve many students who have conscious or religious convictions against this mandate have reached out to us here at libertycoalitioncanada.com for us to advocate legally on their behalf and challenge what's going on in Western. And we want to talk to our chief litigator or in-house counsel, James Kitchen, about this unfolding situation. So let's get into that interview. <music> joined on the dispatch by our good friend james kitchen our in-house counsel for the liberty coalition canada james thanks for joining us today on the dispatch for a rather important bit of news that we want to bring to our people so as always it's great to have you with us well thanks for having me yet again so james here's the question how are freedoms being destroyed in canada today <laughs> and what are we doing about it at the liberty coalition canada well, freedoms are being destroyed today as they have been in history uh, through the loss of the rule of law and through the imposition of other people's um, ideals through power. Um, the whole idea of the law, as boring as it might seem when you're in grade 11 social studies, is that people are treated equally, people have rights, and that we live in a society that's organized by rules. Um, that, are, that are good, that are actually meant to keep power in check and allow individuals to go about their life uh, left alone as much as possible. And we've lost that idea. And um, it sounds like it's no big deal when you're talking about it in the ivory tower, but then when it actually impacts people's lives, it destroys their mental health, their livelihoods, their ability to go to school, their ability to keep a job, uh, their ability to go about their, their lives as they want to. And what we see that practically, for example, is with Western, okay? We get all these Christian students who don't want to take the vaccine, haven't taken any yet, 
who don't want to take the booster because they took the first two and they regret it and they know it was wrong and they did it under pressure and coercion and they don't want to go through that again and they, they, they took it hoping that the pressure would go away. Um, and what's Western doing? It's, it's, it's categorically denying all of them. Right. And um, so far they've reversed one, um, but I've had several other students uh, that I've taken on so far at Western Christian students who have applied for um, religious exemptions and uh, they've all been denied. And um, just so people understand how unlawful this is. Right. We have um, we have human rights codes or, or legislation in this country. We've had them for half a century. OK, they came out in the 70s in response to black discrimination and Jehovah's Witness discrimination on a whole uh, horrible level, okay? <clears throat> and um, so obviously religion is a protected ground. You are entitled to be treated equally even though you cannot do what other people do because your religious beliefs prevent you, okay? So if you can't take a vaccine because of your Christian religious beliefs, you're entitled to be treated equally as everybody else. I know this is basic, but this is what the law is all about. Right. And human rights has been sort of manipulated and twisted and used and abused by the left to force all these things on society. And sure enough, when it finally comes to um, unpopular groups like uh, Christian people uh, asking to be treated equally, asking be, be, to be treated you know, equally under the law to have their rights respected, those in power who are, who are generally leftist, who are generally woke, say, nope, it's only for us. It's not for you guys, because this thing was never about us having a free, equal society. It was about us getting power that we wanted over you. And that's what we're seeing. So Western has hired lawyers to respond to my uh, uh, exemption requests under the Ontario Human Rights Code, which is quasi-constitutional legislation. It's above all other laws in Ontario. The only thing higher than that is the Charter. I know the Charter doesn't mean much anymore. The Constitution has lost a lot of its power because a lot of the elites and institutions in our society has abandoned it, but it's, it remains our Constitution on the books. And you know what they've said to me? Which, again, I always, I always want to hearken people back to how things have happened over the last two and a half years. You know what, people, you know what the lawyers for Western have said to me? They've said, look, we've received two requests from two students of yours and they've relied on very similar beliefs. They're both Christians and they've both relied on very similar Christian beliefs, which we think means that they've made it up because they're very similar. Now, I'll hearken you back to where we were last fall, okay? The excuse back then was your beliefs are singular and personal. And because of that, we don't believe them. We don't think they're Christian enough. We don't think they're Christian beliefs because they're personal and singular. Because are you, you saying are, are you saying that people in the highest levels of power and and the elite class have have moved the goalpost? <laughs> have they have they altered no. the standards? Really, James? That's it's impossible. It, that, that's impossible. <laughs> that would never happen, right? Are you saying that? Are you saying that now they've changed the rules? in order to come down with a different decision? Is that, is that what you're saying, James? That is, that is what arbitrary rule is. The whole underlying purpose of the rule of law is to prevent arbitrary rule, okay? Mm -hmm. To prevent despotism and, and tyranny, right? 
which is arbitrary rule by power, mm -hmm. okay, and, by by will alone, not by rule. And James, and that's James, you should put it point out the fact you're using arbitrary arbitrary as an important word because arbitrariness is by definition illogical. You can, you can take any position you want; it's arbitrary, and make it your position. So. The, the fact that this is illogical, moving of the goalposts, totally contradictory, contradicting itself, is a part of the point. And that's why arbitrary law is so dangerous, because it's all it is is a power grab. Yes, yes. But unless you slow down and actually think and actually realize that ideas matter, you won't catch it. If you live like so many Canadians do, by your emotions then you will not think this is a big deal and you'll continue to embrace the socialism that's fed to you, right? <clears throat> and especially as Christians, we're called to think. We're called to love the Lord our God with our minds. We're called to, to, to transform our thinking by the renewing of our minds and to not be taken captive by new doctrines. And this is where, this is where it's really frustrating for me that, that, that people, dis, they, they sort of discount thinking. Everybody makes fun of the philosophy undergraduate student, right? That's been a thing now for years. I would know. I was one. And uh, But the thing about that is that if you don't learn how to think, then you can't see things for what they are. You know, even if you live a fairly moral or righteous lifestyle, it, it, that's good, but that doesn't necessarily prepare you to perceive tyranny as it's coming to you under its, under its cloak of, of good intentions. And, and that's what happened with COVID, right? And now we've gotten sucked in, and now people are having their lives destroyed. Well, they have been now for two and a half years. And, and this is just the latest manifestation of it. These Christians are, are told that, look, um, you either give up going to school or you inject this dangerous substance into your body that you don't want, that, go, that will violate your conscience and violate your beliefs and violate your bodily autonomy. Right? And we'll use whatever excuse we want. We don't care. We know we're not accountable. We'll say one thing, and then a few months later, we'll say the opposite. And you'll just have to deal with it, because we have the power, and we will enforce it arbitrarily. That's, that's what this is. The letters I have from these lawyers, you're going to see them eventually on the Liberty Coalition Canada website. Um, the Liberty Coalition Canada is uh, responding to this by taking on some of these Christian Western students um, paying their legal fees so they don't have to because their students, obviously, a lot of them don't have it. Uh, and we're going to fight for them, for their right in this supposedly civilized nation to attend a school and still keep their religious beliefs intact and not have to accept something into their body they don't want just to get a post-secondary education, okay? This was the whole impetus for things like uh, the human rights legislation. For better or for worse, you know, there's, there's, there's all kinds of problems with the human rights legislation, but it is what it is. And we've agreed to it as a society, and the left has been the one pushing it. And now they're saying, no, oh, it's only for us. And no, that's not right. That's not okay. That's not how we do things in, in, in a supposedly free and democratic and civilized society like Canada. And so we're going to do something about it. We're going to talk about it publicly, and we're going we're gonna to take whatever legal action we need to. And we're going to encourage people to think about this and to speak up and to not put up with it anymore. And by the way, if there's any Western students that are listening to this that are Christians and have had this happen to them, at Western, they put in their exemption request, they've disclosed their beliefs, and Western's just given them some form email denying them. Uh, contact us, reach out to me, reach out to Liberty Coalition Canada, let us know, because we want to collect as big of a group we can on this and say, enough is enough, it's got to stop. We have to have some semblance of the rule of law returned to this country. 
And by the way, this is also a message to anybody listening or anybody that knows somebody that's in a position of power to make decisions to make this stuff stop. Okay, if anybody works at the Human Rights Commission, if anybody at the court is actually paying attention to the violation of people's rights in this country and actually starts to care and uphold their oath and do their job, this is what's happening because nobody will hold government accountable. Nobody will hold these institutions accountable. Nobody will uphold the rights and do what's unpopular and difficult. That's what you were actually called to do, by the way, when you took up this position of power, is to do what's right in the face of unpopular response to doing what's right. Do it. Somebody get this man an organ. Yeah. Where is the organ yeah. sound? Absolutely. Where is the choir behind him? Yeah. You know, James, the first how time the first time how, I I came how are we the here? first time I came across you, James, was um it was actually a year and a half ago. I heard your voice. I, I got the invite to listen to James Coates Charter Challenge. And I, I and it was that listen, and that's the first time I heard your voice and came across you. You were still with the JCCF at the time. And you're you're one of the few people that consistently has been on the right side of this for the last two years, fighting for the religious freedoms and rights. And I'm deeply thankful for your passion, for your commitment, for your connection, um, for your partnership in this. And I'm grateful for it. And I want to throw a few, just a few kind of application next steppy things for people listening on top of what you've said, which is if you're a Western student. If this has happened to you, if you're a Christian, you reach out to the Liberty Coalition Canada, we're going to do something about it. Number two, if you're a Christian and you're going to Western, I want you to email me at churches at libertycoalitioncanada.com. And I know of a number of rock solid pastors and churches in and around the London area who will support you. They were a place where they will, they will, they are definitely on the same page as you. Um, and these are great places for you to connect, for you to worship, for you to be discipled for you to, to support and, and be a part of a good, solid church. Reach out to me. Blast this out far and wide on your social media. Make sure you share this episode. Make sure you share this interview. We want to shine a big light on what's going on at Western, and they've been making some ridiculous moves lately. And there's even stuff I've heard, some other challenges, some other legal action from different parties against Western, That they're, they're, we, and we need to continue to put pressure on them. And we need to put weight on them. Mm -hmm. And so part of that is exposing and shining a light. So please do that. And I'll also say because there are such, there are such few men, people who are fighting for this, who are representing the religious rights and liberties of students, this is why we at the Liberty Coalition Canada, we need your help. We need your support. Please donate to our legal defense fund. I mean, we want, these, like James said, these students... They don't have a ton of money. It's not like they have massive disposable income. A lot of them are there on scholarships or there because they've taken OSAP. We want to be able to help them. We want to be able to represent them. And that takes time. That takes money. And so we need your support. Please consider donating to the Liberty Defense Fund so that we can keep doing this, that we can fight this fight all the way out, and we can continue to represent Canadians who are having their rights and their freedoms extinguished right before their eyes. So that's... That's some next step things for everyone who's listening. And there's something for everyone. Even if you just share this and tell everyone what's going on at Western, everyone can do one thing to help this this fight. Uh, Matt, any any last thoughts yeah. before we give James the last? Yeah, word? I how are we here, James, at this point in in history, knowing what we now know about the ineffectiveness of 
of the experimental gene therapy, knowing about the ineffectiveness of the lockdowns of these mandates, how at this point are we having to have multiple podcasts with you in a, in a couple week period uh, talking about these continuing draconian and foolish legal measures that um, institutions are taking across our nation? And so I want to get your thoughts on that. And then maybe can you help us think through how are something so fundamental like religious freedoms and religious rights to worship um is something that we would term negative god-given rights how are these being undermined by so-called positive rights that the left wants to posit right because i can't help but look at this situation and say these are the most basic fundamental rights laid out in our charter laid out in a bunch of the, the the freest constitutions in the Western history, right? But yet somehow now we're in a point in history where schools and institutions like Western are saying, oh, your negative right to worship and to live and to, to uh, have conscience rights and, and autonomy over your body, all those things have to go away because now somehow we've invented this positive right to never get sick you know help us think through this situation because it's it is really baffling i mean i <laughs> that's an hour-long answer I, I, i'm not going to do that but um you know because it is it is difficult to analyze all the things that we get here and it's difficult to pick out what would be the would be the biggest thing right and i i could speak from my observations and experiences the last two and a half years on what might be the biggest things um, uh, I, I do think um, fear is one, obviously, but when I say that, I don't necessarily just mean fear of, of, of getting sick. I think that's there. Um, I think the worst fear, though, is the, um, is the general fear of man um, that's referred to in Scripture, or, or, or you know, we could call it peer pressure, um, this, this fear of what people will think of you. Um, this this fear of sticking out and standing out and um, you know having people upset with you and maybe limiting your career opportunities and maybe limiting your reputation and and, and that sort of thing. Um, I I've always been weird that way as a person. That's never really that's never really been a thing for me. Whether it was high school or law school or or, or undergrad, I, I I but I I've realized through COVID just how uniquely blessed I am that maybe I just missed that that neural connection in the womb, I don't know. But uh, for a lot of people, this is a really, really big deal. And it saddens me to see it operating in people's lives because it totally holds them back from having a, like a meaningful, fulfilling life and they're not tearing themselves apart because they sort of got two faces. Um, that might be the biggest thing for what I've seen in Canadians, at least, not necessarily in all humanity across the world. Um, Americans don't tend to suffer from that uh, limitation as much. Um, that might be the biggest thing is the fear to speak out, the self-censorship that, that comes from that fear. Um, I do a lot of work with professionals, and that's where I see it especially. And that's really scary because the professionals are the ones with the wealth, the knowledge, the power, the influence to, uh, to really speak out and to speak out on behalf of regular vulnerable people who, who don't have that kind of knowledge or skill or training or whatever. And when the professional class are all cowards and all self-censoring and all cowed by the government, uh, you're in a lot of trouble. And that's what I see in the country. And I, and I see it all over society, but particularly in professionals. I see it a lot of my own profession. 
right? My own profession is, um, you know, it's in the top three most powerful professions in the country. Um, we, we, whether, whether, you, whether you like it or not, lawyers uh, determine the course of the country, um, probably through what they do as a profession and also the fact that uh, they ultimately form the bench. They ultimately form the court and the court will decide the fate of this nation. Right. You cannot appeal a decision of the Supreme Court of Canada. The Supreme Court of Canada is woke. The Chief Justice of the Supreme Court of Canada is as woke as it can get. And, you know, they determine the course of this country, which is it's not supposed to be that way. That's not good that we've, that we've set it up that way and as our system. But they do, right? And um, as long as that's the way it is, uh, you know, and we have this culture of fear and self-censorship um, and, and this, this burning desire to conform uh, to what everybody else is doing, even though we know it's wrong, boys, we're, we're, we're in trouble. And that might be the number one thing for me for how we got here. Um, it's, it's really comes down for me. It's not just history and our social structure and our political nature. It's our culture as, as, as a people group. Mm -hmm. Right. It's that uh, collectivist that instinct that we have as Canadians, uh, that you're, yeah, that you're yeah. putting your finger now, on. If I could say there's one thing that might help to dramatically turn this around, I and mean, it's going back to what I said back there when I got all passionate, is uh, we, need, we need more individual people to stand up and say, I'm going to speak what I know is right. I'm going to do what I know is right. I'm going to speak the truth. I'm going to stop living by lies. I'm going to stop conforming. I'm going to stop prioritizing my own reputation. And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually, you know, do something about this with, with, with whatever power or means that has been given to me, right? And that's how we change this. Well, James, we appreciate you coming on again. We we got to start talking to you under better circumstances, I feel like. But uh, <laughs> nevertheless, we are always uh, really appreciative of your passion um, and your just drive to be, you know, in a society of collectivists, to be an individual who's willing to stand, to interpose himself between a, a state and an institution that is unjust and you stand alongside those who are being victimized. And that's not only what you're here to do, James, and we really appreciate your voice in that, but that's what we are here to do as an institution, uh, putting counter pressure against Western and other institutions like that at the Liberty Coalition Canada. So we would encourage everybody to go over the Liberty Coalition Canada dot com. You can check out every Everything we have going on there, including our Liberty Defense Fund, where you'll see what we're doing for Western, what we're doing for so many other people across this nation, standing up for their God-given rights and freedoms and standing up for their civic rights as Canadian citizens as well. So, James, thank you again for coming on the program. We love having you and hearing from you. God bless you in the ministry and uh, everybody else. Please be sure to support us at libertycoalitioncanada.com slash donate. So I want our audience to know that this is not the last they're going to hear from James. And this is not the last they're going to hear from us about this. This isn't just a ooh, little interview. Mike is going to be doing a longer interview with James. And we're going to talk, hopefully, with some of the actual students who have had their religious exemption denied. We are going to put pressure on Western we're going to blast this out as wide as we can and shine a light on this. We're going to let people know, people in the legal, political, academic world in Canada, specifically around the, the, the London area, who agree with the preservation of freedoms and rights. We're going to blast this out as, as wide as we can. We're not just going to sit back and let them get away with this. 
And I'll also say something that is particularly disturbing, and that is this. And we're going to have links. We have the receipts as well. But Western University is on the receiving end of a $35 million Canadian health and research grant from the federal government. And if you think... (laughs) If you think that they are able to make an objective scientific decision that is disconnected from the large amount of money that's coming their way from the federal government, the same federal government that still has mandates for federal employees and that is holding on, we have to pry out of their hands the mandates and the arrive can. This same federal government that wants to usher in a totalitarian Chinese-style social credit system. They're the ones giving Western University $35 million in terms of government grant for research. You think that this is disconnected from Western's insistence on pursuing this unscientific, lawless, illogical series of mandates? Maybe it is. Maybe it's just a coinkydink. Or maybe it's not. And if you just follow the trail of green you'll find out where all the corruption comes from. Speaking about pushing back against tyrants and the woke, you might think woke politics and medical tyranny have destroyed the Canadian workplace. But did you know that some companies are standing up and saying no? In just one year, over 2,000 companies have pledged to honor free speech and medical privacy at redballoon.work. And redballoon.work is coming to Canada. Business owners, if you want to find top-tier values-aligned talent or want access to one-of-a-kind courses and guides that will help you build an uncancelable pro-freedom workplace, sign up today at redballoon.work slash LCC. Again, that's redballoon.work slash LCC. Job seekers, if you're tired of skin-deep promotions and vaccine checkpoints and you want to find a courageous company that shares and protects your values, new jobs are waiting for you at redballoon.work slash LCC. That's how you know that we've sent you to Red Balloon, redballoon.work slash LCC. And Andrew, speaking of corruption, it is not only in Western and university institutions who are taking handouts from government to voice mandates on their students, but it also is in elementary schools, that there's corruption in schools from K to 12 to the post-secondary institutions. And that is going to be highlighted by our next interview with Dr. David M. Haskell. So let's get into that interview because he has a, a very important announcement to make about an upcoming event that he's taking part in. We are also joined today by Dr. David Haskell. He's a professor and researcher, and he speaks as the chapter leader of FAIR in the Waterloo region. Uh, Dr. Haskell, thank you for joining us on the Liberty Dispatch today. Uh, It's a pleasure to have you with us as we're going to be talking about an upcoming event happening in the next, uh, just next couple days in Waterloo. 
Yeah, that's right. Well, thanks for having me, and I appreciate it. I guess a little bit of background for your listeners and viewers. Uh, FAIR is the Foundation Against Intolerance and Racism. My day job is a professor, but uh, I started this local chapter in Waterloo Region. Uh, we're primarily a parents group, and we're interested in making sure that there is fairness and respect for everybody in our school system and also in our public systems and in people's jobs. So that's, that's how I'm coming to this event. And the event itself is called Education at a Crossroads. And what we're going to be doing is looking at some really dangerous ideologies that are now being, uh, well, coerced is the best word, onto students in our public system. I'm glad you talked about the fairness for everyone and not just for the perceived <laughs> oppressed class or for the perceived victim class that's been given a big shiny gold star that they can do whatever they want. Because if you're a part of the oppressor class, if you're a part of the hegemony, then you are thrown out of trustee meetings for simply shining a light on what's going on in schools. And so we want to show our audience a video clip now of Carolyn Brzozowski. She's a teacher who at a trustee meeting was simply reading from some of the books that are showing up in libraries, in public libraries, in, in school libraries, and she was removed from the meeting simply by shining a light on what's going on. So we want to show you guys a, a clip of that now. I'm becoming increasingly concerned with the decisions that are being made at this level, and that's what brings me here tonight. A recent record article reported on the school board's intent to cull both the library's and teacher's personal collections of books deemed harmful. This culling was already underway at the time the article was written, yet the board could not answer the reporter's request for the criteria being used, nor how the team was chosen. No information was shared with teachers about the philosophy by which our personal collections would be judged. In the same article, a senior leader said he was proud of the new diverse books that the library, that the board had already purchased. On November 8th, we received a memo in which the board listed criteria for removing books. For example, a book that is misleading might be removed. Well, that sounds perfectly reasonable. A case could be made that some of your new diverse materials are indeed misleading. We teachers received a long list of books and resources for Transgender Awareness Week. Some of these books are a positive addition because they show diverse families and represent a variety of ethnicities. However, I am very concerned that some of the resources in our elementary school libraries are inappropriate for young children. The resources that I am now showing are all in K-6 libraries. And the book Rick by Alex Gino, a boy named Jeff keeps talking to Rick about naked girls. Rick is confused because he doesn't think about naked girls. So he wonders if something's wrong with him. Rick gets invited to the school's rainbow club and he ends up declaring an asexual identity. While reading this book, I was thinking, maybe Rick doesn't have sexual feelings yet because he is a child. It concerns me that this book leaves young boys wondering if there is something wrong with them, if they aren't thinking about naked girls all the time. Well, so what message does this book send to young girls who might be in grade three, four? They are children. Let them grow up in their own time and stop pressuring them to be sexual so soon. In fact, some of the books filling our libraries make it seem simple or even cool to take puberty blockers and opposite sex hormones. 
The Other Boy by M.G. Hennessy. Uh, Ms. Verjowski, I, I, I'm just getting a little concerned that your content uh, may be problematic. Um, I'm not sure exactly where you're headed, but I, I would caution you to uh, make sure that you are not saying anything that would violate the Human Rights Code. Oh, I'm not saying anything that would hide. Um, I'm, that would I'm violate. just concerned. So please continue. That will not count against your time. Um, I hope that um, that I can be heard because these are misleading books, and I'd like to tell you why. Um, the other book by M.G. Hennessy chronicles the medical transition of Shane, who was born female and now identifies as a boy. Shane takes puberty blockers and is now excited to start testosterone. The doctor states that this hormone mixture will leave Shane infertile in the future. Shane's response is, it's cool, a very typical adolescent response. This book is misleading because it does not take into account how Shane might feel later in life about being infertile. This book makes very serious medical interventions seem like an easy cure for emotional and social distress. And okay. remember, so I'm, I'm gonna have to- Point stop. of order, point of order. I'm, I'm I going to point out that the Ontario Human Rights Code uh, includes uh, gender identity and gender expression yes. as for the grounds for uh, discrimination, and I am concerned that, that your comments are in violation of that, so I'm ending the presentation. Point, no, you're not. Point of, order, point of order, I believe the delegation is talking about age appropriateness. So, David, that's that's the sort of stuff that, as you say, is being coerced. It's being thrust upon students with with or without parents' knowledge. Sometimes parents know and they approve. Other times parents have no idea what's actually going on. But this new, you know, whether it's radical sexual gender ideology or whether it's critical race theory and intersectionality, very, very destructive, godless ideologies that destroy families, destroy cultures, corrupt young minds. We know that that's happening. And this was the response from those in the meeting to someone shining a light on it. So in light of this and in light of really what's going on more broadly in schools with with regards to curriculum and libraries, tell us some more tell us more about this event that's happening this Wednesday. So by the time the show airs, it'll be tomorrow. So the very next day, tell us about this event that's happening in Waterloo. Um, and then afterwards, we can talk about how people can get eyes on it, um, be connected with it and join. Yeah, well, people have now just seen Carol Berjoski and the bold stand that she took. She's going to be one of the speakers at this event. And you've already intimated what's going on in our schools. We've got this radical gender ideology that's being promoted. We also have critical race theory, which is being promoted. And, and I don't expect everybody to know what that is. And that's a really good reason why you want to come to this meeting. It is in our schools, and it is affecting kids, and it's affecting them negatively. So if you are a parent, you're a grandparent, you're a concerned citizen, it really behooves you to get to know what's going on in our school system. You mentioned that sometimes parents don't know. Well, I can tell you that in the Waterloo Region District School Board, the public board in Waterloo, they actually have a policy that says if a child is transitioning, the teacher is not to tell the parents. I mean, this is on the books. Now, I, I'm not going to debate where people stand on the transgender issue. What I am going to, to talk about right now is, do you think that it's right for a teacher to lie to a parent? And should that be board policy? 
So I give that almost like a, an entree or a sort of hors d'oeuvre into what this meeting is going to be about, this live stream that we're doing. It's going to reveal a number of shocking things that our children are being taught. And it's, it's time for parents to wake up because it, right now we're moving toward a municipal election. And that municipal election can get people who are right-minded, fair-minded, into positions as trustees. That's uh, October 24th. And we're going to be talking about that as well, that now is a time for people to really find out what their trustees stand for and get the people who are pushing this agenda out and the people who will, who will fight for ideological neutrality in. So, Dr. Haskell, I can't help but uh, look at the stark contrast, uh, contrast between critical race theory, some of these policies that are being foisted upon uh, Canadian children via these schools and and the you know the education apparatus and your organization the the organization that you lead a chapter for in Waterloo the Foundation Against Intolerance and Racism and a lot of these policies like critical race theory are, and and, th and theories and philosophies like critical race theory that are being put in place are they would say that they are against intolerance and racism but maybe you can talk to our listeners why something like critical race theory which is an anti-racist program david um is indeed not anti-racist and is intolerant and racist and is something that you as a representative of the foundation against intolerance and racism are absolutely against yeah, well, let, let's get something out on the table right away. Racism is real, and racism does harm. So we can all agree on that. But where mm -hmm. critical race theory, and, and they now package critical race theory as anti-racism education, right? Because critical race mm -hmm. theory was getting a, a really bad reputation. Parents were coming to know what it really was, so they wanted to change the language. They now call it anti-racism education. But really, it is just a repackaging of critical race theory. What it actually does is racism. And we know this because some of the key texts on this, the, the, the texts that are teaching you how to be anti-racist, they tell us. So there's a fella, uh, Ibram X. Kendi, and his most popular text is called How to Be Anti-Racist. He's a professor. He makes hundreds of thousands of dollars speaking on this issue. His texts are used as uh, teaching tools in our teachers' colleges. Um, they are held up as models to follow in our boards of education. And what he says, what Kendi says very clearly is, the only solution to past discrimination is present discrimination. Except now, he's saying that anyone who qualifies as an oppressor, this typically is, uh, if you're white, if you're male, you're even more an oppressor. If you're straight, you're even more an oppressor. And he advocates, it's time to discriminate against those people. Now, anyone who comes from any of the Abrahamic faiths knows that this idea that you can make something right by harming another, it's absolutely ludicrous, right? This, this theory, critical race theory, which isn't a theory, incidentally, Theories depend on empirical evidence. It has none. I'll be talking about that uh, when we have our presentation on Wednesday. But, but this worldview is completely yeah. antithetical to, to the worldview of Christianity, for example, which, which says that we need to love everybody. This actually teaches you to hate some people.
Absolutely. And I can't help but think it's antithetical to the very philosophy that um, a lot of people who would consider themselves, they would look at the term anti-racist and said, I'm against racism. And then they think of uh, people like Frederick Douglass or they think of Martin Luther King Jr. But this philosophy is the exact opposite of what those men that we laud in history were calling for. In fact, it is really um, honing in on and grabbing hold of, you know, those immutable characteristics as something that we should be stratifying society based on just in the other way, as it were, where we want to say, no, we need equality under the law and human rights for all people, regardless of those uh, immutable characteristics. And that's the very thing that's being undermined by these, um, you know, let's call it for what they are, Marxist kind of ideologies that are, you know, as a way of subterfuge, subverting language and ideas. So, to infiltrate institutions like school boards and like um, your library and stuff. So what are some of the things, uh, Dr. Haskell, that you could, for listeners, for ordinary parents, that you could flag that is happening in Canadian schools that we need to wake up to and fight back against? Well, one of the things, I, I mean, there, and again, we're going to be going through these examples when we do our live stream and our live event on Wednesday. Uh, Just this summer, the um, largest teachers union, the largest elementary teachers union in Ontario was putting out white privilege lesson plans and they were instructing their teachers who are teaching kids from, you know, kindergarten all the way up to grade grade eight to teach white privilege. Well, as many of your listeners might know, white privilege is this idea that if there is success among white people, then it is not due to their personal efforts, but it's due to their their white skin. Uh, it, it says that um, despite maybe being a poor white child, being an abused white child, well, you are still, if you have success, you know, that was your white skin. Uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't allow for forgiveness. It, um, it also suggests that white people, even if they show kindness and respect to people of color while there's still unconscious bias there. And all these things are not empirical, right? There's no proof of this. It's a worldview. It's a, it's a truth claim based on nothing. But then even more harmful, the, the lessons on white privilege, again, this went out to all our teachers in Ontario. The, these lessons teach that uh, students of color, they are victims. And regardless of their own agency, regardless of their desire to study, regardless of all the, the personal work they could do, they probably won't succeed. And it says that you are going to be a victim. The world is against you. And that is incredibly unhealthy psychologically. So that's what just, we know that the largest teachers union sent out these lessons. That's what it's teaching. It's not based on empirical evidence. It's based on this false worldview. And, and so that is one example but if you come on Wednesday, we're going to give you so many more. If I can, if I can give an example here for our our audience, and, and and taking it exclusively from a Christian biblical worldview, what we'll say is that human beings, all of them, have been made in the image of God, and therefore have dignity, worth, and value by nature of being image bearers of God. But human beings also 
are individuals that make decisions for which they're held responsible and accountable. Their decisions have consequences. And while there are pressures and social constraints around that affect and influence what people do, and while we're all the product of our environment and that we're born in different places at different times with different levels of wealth, which we also agree or which we would also say is because of the Lord's sovereign providence, right? Men are born where they are with mm -hmm. what they have because, because the Lord has put them there. So we'll put that on the side, but people are responsible for the decisions they make. The problem or one of the problems with critical race theory and intersectionality is that it removes, it actually strips human beings of their made in the image of God, dignity and value, and simply makes them a part of a collective group that's based on some sort of qualities or characteristics that are not very important in terms of eternal significance. It's not as if this is what makes them definitionally human. But the other thing it does is both positively and negatively, whether it tells the white students that you're an oppressor because of your privilege, or it tells the black students that you'll never be able to rise above the invisible hand of racism that crushes you. It also strips away their agency and the reality that they are to be responsible for the decisions that they make which means they can choose either to be crushed under this lie of real oppression or they can choose to do something about it and actually live a life where they are pursuing goodness where they are working hard and so this is a this is a direct attack on everything about human dignity and value mm -hmm. and what it means to be made in the image of God. And it is so dangerous and toxic because if you attack that, mm -hmm. that, that spills into everything. Yeah, it, it subverts human nature as it truly is and basically reduces human beings to malleable bags of protoplasm that are totally shaped by their env environment. And it, it, it ultimately holds to structural determinism, which, like you said, Dr. Haskell says that depending on the, the color of your skin or where you grew up in uh, society and your socioeconomic status, that is determinative of your outcome. And, and we would say that's absolutely not the case. And worst of all, it really subverts um, equality before the law, right? It, it, it actually does not like equality before the law because it wants to have equity, which is essentially um, equal outcomes instead of equality. Uh, um, before law so it's it's subversive subversive of not only judeo-christian principles but small l liberal principles and i can't help but when i look at fair to see just the broad swath of people from different backgrounds that would probably consider themselves classical liberals like Ian Hersey Ali, Peter Bogosian, some of these people that would come from a different worldview than even us biblical Christians, but they're speaking out against this because they know that this is subversive of not on only Judeo-Christian principles, but of every principle that the Western world was founded on, Dr. Haskell. So um, maybe you could comment a, a little bit about that, and then uh, you can tell people how they can get involved in the event uh, this upcoming week and and how they can continue to get more of what, what you're doing and what uh, through FAIR and what uh, else you guys are doing for this uh, initiative at Education at a Crossroads. Sure. So first, tending to just making a comment. So 
Let's, let's be theological for a moment. And, and typically, when I'm speaking as a researcher, I, 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 you know, I am a devout Christian, but when I speak as a researcher, I try to keep my, my research and my theology separate. But let me just see where these two overlap and say that within Christianity, we make the claim that Jesus can transform a person regardless of their economic or social situation. So if that's true, then we would see that devout Christians regardless of their color, can actually escape poverty, can escape the social situation. And we've got really good empirical evidence for that, right? We, we can see that someone who embraces the conservative values of Christianity, and this is strong family values, strong work ethic, uh, an attitude that I can be victorious over being a victim, uh, those those immigrant groups that come to Canada, for example, who hold those values as rooted in the Christian faith, they outperform Native Canadians, right? And, and the greater their adherence to those particular values, the greater their success, regardless of skin color. And so uh, that's something that we need to keep in mind. When we're looking at what we're being told through this white privilege lens or through the critical race theory lens, it is not based in evidence. So we get rid of that. You wanted to hear a little bit more about how people can take part in this. Well, I'd commend them to get onto the website, educationatthecrossroads.com, and they'll be able to see the link to the live stream. The live stream is going to be happening Wednesday night at 7.30, and I'm going to be speaking. I'll be talking more about critical race theory, but Carolyn Brzozowski is going to be talking about uh, her experience in our board, where when she tried to share the, the books that are actually being uh, put, put into libraries and in classrooms in our elementary schools, in Waterloo Region in particular, but all across the province, when she simply tried to share publicly, she was shut down. She was removed from her job. She was a whistleblower who then was punished. So she's going to talk more about the gender ideology side of things. And I think that we, we would hope that people will share the link to educationatthecrossroads.com and once they come and they watch, or if they can't watch, maybe they'll look at the recording, we're going to record it, but then we need to take action. And that particular action is to make sure we are voting out the trustees and our board who are promoting this ideological nonsense and vote in those who say our public school boards need to be ideologically neutral, they need to be fair and respectful to everyone, and we need to have ideological diversity. So that's that's what I would hope for the people listening today. And I'm going to I'm going to piggyback off that. And I'm glad that you've you've because even before you said that, in my mind, I was thinking, how are we going to land this plane? And you have you have taken the words out of my mouth that this is the importance of local politics. So personally, I live in Kingston. And what I have done is I have reached out to every person who is running for mayor in Kingston. I've checked out their platform, I've reached out to them, and I've requested an opportunity to have a conversation with them because I want to see where they land on certain issues. I've also looked at who's running for a school board trustee and who's running for city council. I've checked their platform, I've reached out to them, which by the way, anyone can do. Just just search your city or your riding, you know, whatever, Waterloo elections, and they'll, they'll take you to the website where you'll have a list of everyone who's running and all the different levels that probably have their phone number, email address. Andrew, I, I can make it even easier. There is a website in Waterloo. If you're in Waterloo Region, uh, we have a website. There's a website someone has created. It's called knowyourwrdsbtrustees.ca. 
know your mm-hmm. WD, sorry, WRDSBTrustees.ca, and it actually shows you all in one place what they stand for. That's convenient. Yeah, and for those who are outside of Waterloo Region, there is uh, a website, Vote Against Woke. Vote Against Woke. And that website will uh, break down every school board in Ontario and tell you those trustees who have said they are going to fight against these ideologies. So Vote Against Mm -hmm. Woke is if you're outside of Waterloo Region and if you're in Waterloo Region, know your WRDSBTrustees.ca. So find out, do your research, find out who's running, find out who's running for mayor, find out who's running for school board trustee, find out who's running for city council, research, email, ask them questions. If their platform's vague, if they don't give a lot of info, ask them specifically about these things. I also want to point people to christiansthatcare.net because we have wanted to intentionally work with and train people who will run and who will who will find themselves in positions in local politics to not be pushing this stuff, but to be pushing good education practices to make good decisions at a city council level, right? At the local politics, this is this is your school board, this is your health unit, this is municipal police. And so a lot of the nonsense we've seen the last two and a half years could have been stopped or good decisions could have been made at a local level. And so please, please, please figure it out. And if you're a Christian, press your pastors and elders to do the same. Press them to actually do the research, to look into it, that they can also be informed that, that as, as Christians and as churches, you together can discuss who's running in our area. Who should we vote for? What's the, what's the right decision? What's best for our schools? What's best for our community? Please, please do that. Um, you know, if, if, if you're a pastor, if you're an elder and you're listening to this, it's, it's time to engage in the local political level and, and stop voting in people that are going to bring these dangerous, godless ideologies that will end up destroying lives. Uh, David, where can people maybe find you personally on social media, website stuff, and, and kind of connect with more of what you're saying and, and what you're doing? Um, I'm most active on Twitter. It's uh, D. Millard Haskell at Twitter. Uh, so at D. Millard Haskell, that's where they can go to see that. Um, and I have a YouTube channel, David M. Haskell. They can look there as well. And I, again, I want to reinforce what you're saying, Andrew. I think that uh, people of faith, Christians, need to take responsibility for this. I wish I were more encouraged by what pastors are doing. We've approached many pastors, and uh, they're their overall sentiment is that they don't want to get political. And, and this is frustrating to me because it suggests they are more concerned about ruffling feathers than they are about genital mutilation of the children in their communities. And if you are a, a person in your church and you go to your pastor and you say, we need to do something, and they don't, I'd suggest you leave that church and find another. Come on now. Give them an organ. Someone give them an amen. <laughs> no, because you're right. Because they are being political. We, we really need They're, a they road. They are being, and this this is this is the madness of that position. I don't want to be political. What you're basically saying is, I'm okay with the status quo. You are making a political statement, right? If you're saying I'm not going to get involved mm-hmm. in politics, what you're basically saying is, ah, things are the way they are. That's fine. You are being political, and being a Christian mm-hmm. is unavoidably political. The apostles were all killed. 
not because of their religious beliefs, but because they were seen as political adversaries. They were seen mm -hmm. as political agents that were trying to overthrow the state, that they were questioning the authority of Caesar. They were treasonous. Jesus is Lord is a political statement. You're completely right that if, 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 you're, if the people around you are mm -hmm. saying Christians don't get political, they are— I'll give them I'll give I'll give them the best best they're 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 wrong they're ignorant <laughs> right but they're they're probably stupid and they don't understand what's actually mm -hmm. going on they don't understand our Christian history they don't because I I can just hear William Wilberforce saying yeah don't want to get political let's let right. slavery be I can hear Nellie McClung say yeah I don't think that we should get rights for women you know let's let's keep seeing them abused by drunken husbands I could see her saying that no I couldn't the whole history, from the mm -hmm. moment that we had Christians uh, in, in the gladiatorial games, we have people like Tertullian saying, this has got to stop. We look at John the Baptist. He was making a political statement about Herod and his wife. We see Jesus saying, you nest of vipers. We see Jesus saying to the woman who is mm -hmm. caught in adultery, I'm making a political decision here because at that time, the religious was the political. He goes into the temple and he says, you guys are, are politically wrong by keeping the poor and, and the dispossessed and the Gentiles out of here. You're, you're not letting them being open to God. So these people who say, I don't want to get political, I say, look at the end of Matthew, because when he's talking about goats, that's you. Oof. Think, and think of our country. Yeah. Think of the Oof. country in which Oof. we live in. So I don't want to get political. <laughs> oh, so you have freedoms. You, in our country, you have benefits and you have freedoms and you've inherited a tremendous blessing. Do you know why we live in a country that isn't completely lawless or a country where we where we <laughs> where I'm not just where someone isn't allowed to seek vigilante justice and kill me and my family just because the reason we live in a country that because bingo, Christians, got because Christians a long time ago <laughs> said we're going to get political. Mm -hmm. We're going to structure a country and its laws, its judicial system. We're going to structure it around biblical foundations and truths and principles even if they themselves weren't Christian, they knew that these need this had to be the underpinnings of a society, and they were political, and they were applying biblical truth in the political sphere, and that's what gives these pastors the mm -hmm. freedom and the audacity to say, I don't want to be political, and that speech is protected mm -hmm. because Christians fought for that freedom for them and helped structure a mm -hmm. country around these biblical principles. It's it's utter absurdity to say, I don't want to be political. Mm -hmm. It's almost as if you're covering your eyes and sticking your fingers in your ears and you are completely ignorant of reality and what's actually going on around us and the history of our country. And like you said, all the way back to the first century, John the Baptizer told the king, you can't do what is unlawful according to God's law. I, I doubt Jesus would have said to him, John, mm -hmm. bro, cousin, uh, don't don't get political. Yeah. You can't. You ne'er the two yeah. shall meet. The, yeah, the the Didache, right? The the earliest extant like extra biblical source from the early church. It talks about exposure and abortion and all sorts of uh, moral and ethical stances that the Christian must take in the polis. Um, so I mean, it's it, Christian history is seeped in the fact that. 
the the declaration that Christ is King of Kings, Lord of Lords, the ruler of the kings of the earth is inescapably, inescapably political. And the fact that even Peter takes a, um, a, a, a creed about Caesar and he pl- places Christ's name in that creed, it, we know that that is the reason why the Christian gospel turned the whole world upside down. And as I think you guys have said brilliantly, it is an escapist, cowardly retreat in our current moment. And and Dr. Haskell, we're so thankful for men like you who are standing up in, in the civic realm and saying, this is not right. This is not good. And you're bringing the, your Christian conviction to bear in politics for the defense of of others and their rights, whether they want to defend them or not, you are there interposing between them and and this this tyranny and this these dangerous ideologies that will, if implemented, destroy our nation and the foundations thereof. So, Doctor Haskell, we're so thankful that you you joined us today. We we should definitely talk to you further in the future. And I I just want to point everybody again to education at at the crossroads dot com. That's education at the crossroads dot com. Then you can take part in the live stream this upcoming Wednesday, October the fifth at seven thirty p.m. Because even if you're not in uh, the Waterloo area. I, I know you will be blessed by these um, lectures, by these teachings, and I hope that we can all, no matter the area of the country, get involved in speaking up for uh, and, and speaking out against these dangerous ideologies. So thank you again, Dr. Haskell, for joining us. Yeah, my pleasure, gentlemen, and uh, hope to talk again soon. Thank you. Matt, during that interview, you said something important, which was not just if you're in the Waterloo region, but if you're anywhere in Canada— you need to, if you're available, you need to go to education at the crossroads.com. You need to sign up to get the information for this event. And you need to watch. You need to hear about what's going on in schools. You need to hear about the agenda that's being pushed and how it is that we can stand against it, that we can fight back against it. Because you might not live in Waterloo. But in every school board, in every district, in every school, in all the libraries, in all the institutions, this cultural behemoth of a godless, neo-Marxist, woke ideology machine is bearing down on Canadians and is coming to destroy all the institutions that we love like a cancer eating it away from the inside out. So go to educationatthecrossroads.com, sign up. Check out this event. You're going to want to see what's said. You're going to want to hear it. You're going to want to hear about how you can push back, how you can get involved. Again, seriously, like we talked about with David, seriously consider involvement in local politics, whether that's running, whether that's volunteering, whether it's finding out who's running in your district, who's the mayor, who's the city council, who are the school board trustee people. Call them, email them, find out more. And if you're a Christian, especially... Now is the time for you to get engaged and get involved. And I would echo David Haskell's words in that if you approach your church and you say, elders, men, give us counsel, help us understand who do we vote for? How do we make sense of what the moral God-honoring vote is? How are we engaged? Are we supporting? And if their response is, no, 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 politics in the pulpit, nary the two shall meet. 
sorry, that's not how we roll here. We don't do that stuff. I would also consider maybe finding a church with the backbone that isn't full of cowards because my guess would be those very same men would have handed over authority to your church to Caesar when he came for it and not over to the Lord Jesus Christ. So strong words, I agree, but I think words that are right and necessary in this time. Yeah, and we're called as Christians to tear down every stronghold, every ideology that erects itself against Christ and his law word. And there's dangerous ideologies being put forth in our schools that are designed to indoctrinate our children. Now, probably as we've made mention a lot on the program, you shouldn't be in public schools. But if you are, you should be fighting back against this even more because your kids are being led to the slaughter. But if you're not, you're still a taxpayer funding those schools. So you still have the responsibility to hold them accountable. And you're a taxpayer that can do that just as much as anybody. So that's why we need to get involved. And the the, the reality is maybe you're not, you know, we're crazy Christians. We're reformed. We're, we tend towards theonomic. We believe in, <laughs> you know, we, we believe in the transformative power of Christ and his gospel call pertaining to all of life we're crazy radicals maybe you're not that way but you're somebody who's as i've said just the small l classical liberal they're coming for you as much as they're coming from for christians because the fact of the matter is the enlightenment worldview was formed in the warp and the woof of Christendom, okay? Those values came out of Christendom. Um, they were secularized, but they were w furnished in the fires of Christendom. So if you like those values, you have a Christian to think, or think but <laughs> even more than that, they're coming for those. That critical race theory, Marxism, neo-Marxism, they're anti Illib they're illiberal to the core. And uh, we talked about Ibram X. Kendi in the interview with, with Dr. Haskell, and he's called for literally the establishment of an unaccountable cabinet of anti-racist officials who are literally Marx's dictatorship of the proletariat. That's his vision for how to do anti-racist praxis in politics in the United States of America. And you are sorely mistaken if you think that Canadian anti-racists, so-called, will stop short of that goal. They will not. They are here to disrupt and dismantle and tear down the very fabric of our society. So we need to wake up against that because they're literally open in call. The, the, literally, Ibram X. Kendi is there. He's the evangelist of the system. He He's a missionary out spreading the gospel of critical race theory. And he's maybe the most prominent, famous person. And he is open that they want to set up a dictatorship of the anti-racists who are just race Marxists. And if we're not going to wake up to this battle, we're in trouble. When it comes to being under the crushing weight of the iron fist of our civil government, or when it comes to being devoured by this cultural behemoth, the only difference between us, the small C conservative 
Christians and the non-Christian agnostic small L liberals or small C conservatives is that we will end up in the jail cell before you. That's it. We're going to be there warming the seat. We're going to end up in the same place, which is on the business end of the government gun. But we're going to end up in the jail cell before you. And we'll be saying things like, hey, I told you so. I told you they were coming for us first. And so you might as well get on the better side of it now and be consistent. And so you might as well come to Christ and trust him alone for your salvation, but really is the only consistent way to hold these views. Because if you're going to deny Christ, but still say that human beings have value and worth and dignity, and there are inalienable rights that must be protected, that aren't determined by cultures and people over time, and if you're going to say that there is a proper role for the state that is not to be overstepped, you have no grounds for saying that consistently unless you ground them on the God who's made the universe to be ordered and who gives rights and values to people because they're made in his image. So be consistent, turn to Christ, trust that the word of God only provides the standard and the underpinnings for the values that we have. So that way we can both warm the jail cell at the same time, as opposed to waiting for you to come after the fact, and we have to say, I told you so. But in any event, even if you're slower to get there, which we hope you do, understand we're both going to end up in the same place, so we need to be fighting on the same side now. Better yet, let's not end up in the jail cell Correct. by fighting for for these freedoms in the here and now. That's and that's a good why point, Liberty Matt. Coalition that's, that's a good point. Canada exists. Yeah. We don't have to end up there if we will stand up now and fight back now um, and fight for some of these shared values and freedoms that we enjoy as Canadian citizens, regardless of our political persuasion. That's why we exist at the Liberty Coalition right we're trying to bring people together for freedom in canada liberty coalition canada is to promote those those god-given first and foremost freedoms that we have regardless of what government tells us and then two, those civic freedoms that we enjoy as canadians as those in the long line of the anglo-british tradition um dating all the way back to even just albert the great putting the ten commandments into the law code of of England and then throwing out this Justinian, more Greco-Roman system of, of, of government and law. We have all that to be thankful for, and that's what we're trying to defend at the Liberty Coalition Canada. Go over to our website, libertycoalitioncanada.com. Drop us a line, info at Liberty Coalition Canada. If you want to talk to us directly may, and have it air on a question or a comment or concern, air on the program, mailbag in, in the description and then whatever it might be, we will read it on air. Um, and then, as always, uh, stand firm in your freedom uh, because as Galatians 5.1 has made clear, it's for freedom Christ has set you free. So stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Till next time. Thanks for tuning in to Liberty Dispatch, a united front to restore liberty and justice in Canada. Please subscribe to our podcast and Rumble channel, as well as visit our website at www.LibertyCoalitionCanada.com.